Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Hi, I'm Rick Tittle, and this is the Rick Tittle Podcast on the 8 Side Network. Join me as I get busy with the biggest names in sports and entertainment. Thank you so much. Welcome back to the show. Rick Tittle with you coast to coast around the world on American Forces. It's always our pleasure to welcome the great John Lovitz. Of course, you know I'm stand-up comedian, Saturday Night Live, lots of movies and TV as well. He's at Cobb's Comedy Club here in San Francisco. He's got his show tonight, one on Friday two on Saturday as well. And, uh, John, when I say opening day of baseball, does it fill you with uh, all sorts of whimsy and joy, or do you think... Oh, no, no. I, it, it, I was obsessed with uh, baseball from when I was 7 to 15. And Willie Mays was my favorite player. I grew up in Los Angeles, but mm-hmm. Willie Mays was my idol, so I just think of that. And, and then, I, you know, oh, yeah, and I'm in San Francisco, and I think it's... Um, no, I, I love it. It's It's... Brings back a lot of great memories. And you're a Tarzana guy, right? Yeah, I grew up in Encino and Tarzana. Somebody, I heard. I like the Dodgers too. When uh-huh. I was growing up, we had like, sure, you know, Sandy Koufax and Don Drysdale and uh, um, Maury Wills and those guys. And, mm-hmm. and uh, actually, we got to meet Sandy Koufax. That was a real thrill. Wow. And he knew who I was from the rat race, which was another thrill. Like you never just think that when you're a kid that the people you idolize growing mm-hmm. up are going to know who you are. And then when that happens, it blows me away. And I got to meet Willie Mays. Because I did this baseball event and uh, um, it was a major league uh, alumni association mm-hmm. and um, met Vita Blue. And he said, hey, if you ever here, I'll introduce you to Willie Mays. And I, I got up here for the World Series and said, I'm here. And so I got to uh, Vita Blue arranged it and I got to meet Willie Mays, which was the thrill of a lifetime. And he couldn't have been nicer. And I don't think he knew who I was, to be honest, but. <laughs> But but what's more impressive because I don't think he knew, but he was still like just so nice, and and um, I just I just I was afraid I was going to start crying, wow. but I didn't. Invited Blue goes, don't start crying because if you start crying, I'll start crying. Just don't, <laughs> you know. But you know, back then, I mean, the, Willie May, like he was like everything to me. You know, he was. Uh, I loved baseball, and he was like God. You know, he was baseball. It was like people go, they didn't know who he was. I go, well, you know, Michael when Michael Jordan in basketball. Yeah, I go that. Mm-hmm. Before Michael Jordan, he was that. He was, it was synonymous. You know, he was just, and his whole attitude was so great. And I actually asked him about a, the, I said, you know what I like about you is when the Johnny Roseboro, you know, in the World Series, the catcher, sure. Juan Marichal, well, hit Johnny, him in the head. Well, he hit, yeah, but he hit him in the head because Johnny Roseboro threw the ball back to the pitcher and it went right by Juan Marichal's ear, like almost hit him. And Marichal said, you do that again, I'm, I'm going to clock it. And he did it again. Mm-hmm. So so Marichal was pissed. And then later on, though, Marichal was like crying. He goes, I'm sorry. It was the worst moment of my life. And he was a great pitcher, Juan Marichal. Mm-hmm. And uh, 
and they became friends, you know, but, but at the time, so I hit him on the head of the bat and, and, and everyone, you know, cleared the benches, but Willie Mays, they all went out to fight. He grabbed Johnny Roseboro and, and pulled him away from it. Hmm. And he said, yeah, well, the best way to end a fight is take away one of the guys that's fighting. That's smart. He was the guy, too. I remember Willie Mace. He was taught that if you're playing in center field and a ball's hit to your right, your first step would be to turn and take a step with your left. And he said, no, I'll take a step with my right. And they said, but your foot's already pointing that way. And he said, exactly. Even though it's a half a step, I can get there quicker. And it changed the way people play the outfield. I mean, he was an absolute game changer. Oh, yeah. He was a real genius. You know, people go, how good was he at baseball? I go, well, he did 24 seasons, 24 All-Star games. But at some point in his career, where however you can, every statistic that you can measure a ball player, he led in that category at different points, in mm-hmm. every single category at different points in his career. Every single category, mm-hmm. offense, defense, everything. And he I mean, wore he number was 24 just, as well. Yeah, and he, was, he also pitched. He could have been a pitcher. And baseball was his third best sport. First was basketball and then football. He was drafted by the NFL and really? and he spent some oh, yeah, time he was in the Negro incredible. leagues first. Just think if he could have had those extra years in the uh, in the bigs. Yeah, and then he was. Yeah, he said every time I write a check, I I I thank Jackie Robinson. Mm. And he was just. And then any baseball player you talk to that saw him, they go, "Who do you think the best baseball player ever was?" They all say Willie Mays. Mm-hmm. Like he was just. He was you know power speed the best arm the best speed the best I mean everything sure. Rick Tittle with John Lovitz. He's here at uh, at Cobb's Comedy Club tonight, tomorrow, two shows Saturday. It's funny you bring up Vita Blue because I'm an Oakland guy, and, and one of my childhood heroes was Vita Blue, and I just saw him last night. And I've golfed with him before. It's it's weird that I'm on a first-name basis with one of my heroes. He's like the only guy, but he is yeah, one of the most— Yeah, he was one of mine, too, growing yeah, up. Yeah, one of the most approachable, nicest, down-to-earth sweethearts I've ever met. Yeah, really, really nice. Yeah. And I'm grateful to him for that. And then the Oakland— uh, my dad would always talk about this friend of his. He goes, "Oh, he's doing so great in real estate." On and on and on. Anyway, it's Lou Wolf who oh. owns the <laughs> right and Lou's a. I know. I guess he's had a lot of Dodger games too. Yeah, he's a, he's a really nice man. Really nice. Mm-hmm. It's funny because I heard Tarzana is the only town in America that's named after a fictional character, Edgar Rice Burroughs Tarzan. Right. Well, the the reason is is that Edgar Rice Burroughs, you know, before it was Tarzana, he lived there and he had a ranch, Tarzana mm-hmm. Ranch. But he lived there and he wrote Tarzan, so that's why they named it that. And it, I don't know where he is now, but at some point, you know, the main in the valley, the main boulevard, at that point of the val- part of the valley is Ventura Boulevard, and all mm-hmm. the shops just line it. He was actually buried under a tree on Ventura Boulevard. Really? And there was a building that said Tarzan Productions. I don't think it's there anymore. But he, um, yeah, he lived there. And now, and there was a house there, and a, and a friend of mine growing up said that their family was thinking of buying it, but it, they said it was very dark, I guess because he was almost blind. It was a very dark house. But anyway, not because it was dark because he couldn't see, but for some whatever reason. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and then later on, years later, friends of mine uh, is a uh, architect and contractor and builder. They, the two of them, their, my friend's father-in-law bought the land, and they put a lot of houses on it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but that's why it's yeah it's not a coincidence it, that's why it's called Tarzana yeah, I remember you telling me that people think they just for some reason assume and I don't know if it was SNL but they think that you're a New Yorker but you're an LA guy right yeah do you get that a lot yeah all the time but it, to me it's a compliment mm-hmm. I, I asked a friend of mine from New York I said why does everybody think I'm from New York he said because you can talk <laughs> <laughs> I go, 
All right. Well, before we run out of time, I only have time for one segment. You have right, fine. A, a game show called. Well, if you hadn't had that song in the beginning about how handsome you are, <laughs> we'd have more time. Let's cut into the real estate. Wonder who wrote there. that song. I know. Mm. Who voiced it too into an app? <laughs> uh, a game show is called Funny You Should Ask. And you're in Funny You Should Ask. <laughs> yeah, I'm on every show. Byron Allen produced it in a. Produces it. It's all. It's like six comedians, and uh, you know, it's kind of like Hollywood Squares, but there's no tic tac toe, and they just. It's, it's just a silly game show. It's just an excuse for all of us to tell jokes, really. Right. And they say, you know, true or false? You know, uh, a herd of whales is are called a herd of female whales are called cows, and I say they prefer the term plus size. <laughs> but anyway, it, the whole show is jokes, and uh, uh-huh. we had. Uh, Bill Engvall and uh, Bill, Bill mm-hmm. Bellamy and uh, Tiffany Haddish was just on and mm-hmm. Jack Kay, who a, a lot of a lot of uh, comics. Um, Howie Mandel did it. a lot of big comics. I mean, it's, and they switch them out every week. Tim Meadows does it a lot. Yeah. He's hilarious. Your old friend. Yeah. Um, Sherry Shepard. I haven't heard the name Byron, Byron Allen. He's still going strong. I haven't heard the name for a while. Uh, hello. He just bought the Weather Channel. Did he? Yeah, he's doing very well. Oh, my god! He's built a huge company called Entertainment Studios. Wow. He also just bought a uh, movie distribution company. Wow, good for he's him. He distributed the movie Hostiles and, and the Chappaquiddick. They're going to distribute wow. and on and on. Oh, yeah, he's a, he's become a mogul, and he did it all himself. And he was a stand-up like me. Mm-hmm. So you look at yourself, <laughs> and you look at Byron, and you go, what's the difference? One of us is a loser. <laughs> I just remember Byron Allen's show was very always, nice guy, and I'm, I'm yeah. grateful to him. He it was always on so late, like he could never get into prime time. But who cares? Well, you Look know, but Empire. he has he has 42 shows in syndication. Wow. What he did was there'd be a you would do a, a movie, and then they'd have a press junket where, and part of it was uh, all the you'd be in a hotel room with a plant and a poster of the movie, right? Which is where uh, Zach Galifianakis sure. show between two ferns. Right. He's mocking that. Mm. So you'd be, you'd be in there, and every fi- and there'd be a camera set up, and every five minutes, a reporter from around the country, uh, local news would interview you, and then they would take it back you sure. know, to their city. The go, I interviewed, yeah, you know, John Lovitz for the movie, mm. you know, Cities Lickers, too. And mm-hmm. anyway, so Byron would do that same press junket, but he took that footage, which he got for free, and turned it <laughs> to a show. Wow, which is really smart, you know. And and he's a yeah, he figured out a way of syndicating all these shows and. He owns seven HD channels. I mean, he's he's something else. Well, very nice. Guy. I I wish we had more time with John Lovitz. We course. would have if, it, you hadn't if I had all this. Sing uh, about my, my hubris. Uh, Cobb's Comedy Club tonight, tomorrow, two shows on Saturday. John, thanks for popping in, man. We thanks and thanks to the Armed Forces. I appreciate what they do too. All right, great stuff. I'm Rick Tittle. We'll come on back on Sports Bot. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Okay. I love Walker Hayes. He's amazing. He's so fun. Such a great entertainer. And that's why I'm so excited that JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. The Walker Hayes for JCPenney collection is an upbeat playlist of instant classics with laid-back appeal and down-home vibes. As a dad of seven kids, he knows exactly what fathers want and need when it comes to their style. 
This collection reflects his casually cool styles with outdoor-inspired details and versatile colors. Perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th, just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. You're listening to the Rick Tittle Podcast on the 8th Side Network. Stay tuned for more. And uh, we're quite happy now to welcome Joel McHale to the program. He's going to be in town here at Cobb's on Friday and Saturday. Two shows Friday night, two shows Saturday night as well. And, of course, you know him on uh, various uh, TV shows as well. And, uh, Joel, as always, it's summer in San Francisco, so pack a jacket. It's like going to Alaska, but you knew that already, right? Yeah, I treat it like it's an American werewolf in London and just to beware the Moors. <laughs> you know, I love that movie. It is, so, it is so funny how summer is is Anchorage where you are. It makes, it's cuckoo. And then once you get over that little mountain, like once you get into Napa, it's 95. No doubt about it. And you know what's funny? That movie came out when I was in high school, and I always had a thing for the English nurse in that movie. Yes. Oh. Well, that movie changed everything that it was the first time they had combined humor and horror perfectly and that's why stuff like Shaun of the dead uh, is able to get made and obviously also one of the greatest if not the greatest comedy horror movie of all time and no matter what his imdb page says griffin dunn i just think of him keep coming back more dead every time yeah and so funny what happened to the lead in that movie yeah, that guy. He what else did he do? I think he did like maybe one kind of Vinnie Barbarino role, and then that was it. He probably had some points or some back end on American Werewolf in London, and now sits on an island with a <laughs> numerous helicopter pad. <laughs> well, he's like David Copperfield. <laughs> yes, very Dickensian. Well, I, I just think about what's it like when you. When did you first feel your star rising? Because you're, you're a writer, and then, you know, the soup, you probably think, oh, I, it can't get any better than this, and then it keeps getting bigger and better. What, what's that like when it, when it just kind of snowballs and you feel your star rising like that? Well, God bless you, because the star has fallen, my friend. Uh, <laughs> let's see. I, it was one of those things where you, um, uh, you in L.A., you meet a lot of people that believe it's going to happen. And you look at them and you're like, I don't think it's going to happen. Uh, maybe it will, but I don't. I don't think so. And then you kind of just you, you you start forgetting about like, oh, if I can just get this, all it all it comes down to is like, well, if I can. It, once you start getting auditions, you're like, well, maybe I'll get this one, maybe I won't. And uh, and the soup was one of many auditions. And then once they finally approved it, it was so cheap for them to make. Uh, they put us on the air at a time when people actually watch television. Uh, at 10 o'clock on Friday, which nobody watched, and we started, basically, I had my friends as writers, and we just were screwing around and doing, we were just entertaining ourselves, and the numbers were kind of, they, it took, it was like a glacier uh, over two years of people starting to tune in, and then I think somebody mentioned us on the air, and I went, wow, that's not, that, that person watched, and then they asked me to be on Sesame Street, and I thought, well, I've made it. I don't have to do anything else. I can just quit and, and go back to I can go back to Seattle and, and just live on an island again with a, <laughs> with a bunch of helicopter pads. But uh, 
it was a slow, like everyone thinks, I, I think everyone thinks it just happens, but for me it was, uh, I counted as slow because it, it took me, it took years for the show to get any traction. Thank God E left it on the air. Well, and there's so many shows trying to mimic the success with that formula as well. We're speaking with Joel McHale. He's in town here at Cobb's. A couple shows Friday, a couple on Saturday. And, and you mentioned L.A. and how crowded it is. I remember hearing an interview with Ryan Gosling. He said he would go to these auditions, and there would be 12 guys who looked exactly like him. And he thought, how am I going to stick out? But I also remember a quote that Conan O'Brien had when he first started his show. And he said, you can say my show stinks, but don't ever say I'm not funny because I know I'm freaking funny. Is that the kind of thing, the confidence you have to have? It's like, I might get rejected, but I know I'm damn funny. You do have to have, like, a, a false sense of yourself in a way. You have to have, not a false sense, but, like, you have to have an understanding of, like, I know that I can do this. I might not get this job, but I know that I am capable of doing it. And I had a lot of actor friends that, after a few auditions, they were like, that's it, I'm tired of hearing no, and they, they're out. Uh but I think for every, I don't know, 100 auditions I would go on, I might get close on a couple. And then and then thank God that gap started narrowing once you kind of get good at it or kind of get narrow. And you think about like Ryan Gosling, so there's 12 other guys who look exactly like him. But those 12 guys, they all fought hard to get to that point where they're one of those 12 guys. Hmm. And there was a time when, like, I was old, I couldn't get an agent. I only had a commercial agent. And I, me being a tall... Uh, mid thirties white dude. I would see the same dude. It was the same thing. Really, you see the same guys, and you kind of look around like, wonder which one of us is going to get this. <laughs> and it was always like, oh, Rob got it. Yeah, good for Rob. And then the next thing was like, oh, Matt got it. <laughs> and uh, and so it was. We all kind of took turns, and and you four. And I, everyone always thinks everyone is like cutthroat or something. But I was like, and, and actually, there's it's quite a family once you start to get to know everybody. Very cool. And you think about making it, the White House Correspondents' Dinner, and you have every stuffed shirt in, in Washington in front of you. And I remember watching Norm MacDonald, who I, I just I just die watching that every time and seeing the people laugh and then not laugh. I'm sure yeah. I'm sure being a comedian, because, you know, you, you, you always want to push it. How, what were some of the jokes that you pushed it and you said, I don't care if I get into trouble? Well, it is why we live in the greatest country, because you can... I mean, other than our president now who refuses to go, which shows that he's a little, he's scared to mm. uh, take a joke. Uh, but uh, when, when that was happening, that you, we could stand up in front of the most powerful person in the world, make fun of them to their face, and not be shot uh, in a summary execution, <laughs> along with your immediate family and your extended family. Uh, that is... That, so no matter how um, you know people take a dump on America, we live in a free country. But I, so I think the joke that I know the one because I didn't watch what he was. I didn't watch what the president did, but I know. Uh, but I know that it wasn't going to go. He wasn't going to be happy. But I we ha- I wanted to take the shot, which was uh, I was basically going. America is so great that the real the things that we really get worried about are spoilers, like what's happening on Game of Thrones or, at that time, Sopranos or Orange is the New Black. Uh, but in Afghanistan, you say, oh, don't tell me who was killed in the drone strike. I want to find out when I get to the village. <laughs> and that that made apparently made his head just look, he looked, just looked straight down. Uh. And I was like, yeah, but, you know, we are killing a lot of people with drones right now. <laughs> uh, so that that was, 
I also made fun of when, I don't know if you, uh, long ago, when now it's like three or four years ago, when they launched the uh, health care, Obamacare, but they launched the website, and the website crashed in right. like three minutes. Right. And so we just used that as if that became the catchphrase for failure. <laughs> and uh, that like, oh, my gosh, did you see that last Johnny Depp movie? That was like uh, healthcare.com or whatever it was. And uh, uh, yes, I mean, obviously the jokes are a little bit old now, but that those are the things that we wanted to go. We, if you, it's a very strange gig because if you don't go at the president, then you get criticized for being soft. And right. if you go too hard, you get criticized for not for, you know, not kind of being fun. And so it's a weird, very weird line to kind of balance on. And then you have all the you have Republicans and Democrats. And when you make fun of the Democrats, the Republicans laugh, but they don't <laughs> want to laugh too hard because they don't want to show that they're enjoying it. And then it's the exact opposite. And then they all, if you tell something that's slightly controversial, everyone, no matter what, goes, ooh, and uh, just to kind of go, Oh, I might be offended, but wow, I'm recognizing that it could uh, it's a, that's a hot button of a joke. And so it's a very odd crowd. On top of that, the first, like, 20 rows are just the richest and most famous people in the world, and they long ago lost any reason to ever laugh again. <laughs> One final question for you, Joel, and, and it's about community. And I think about your, your talented cast and Donald Glover. You know, he's now, you know, Childish Gambino and now a, a legit singer. But I want to ask you about Chevy Chase because, and I don't know if you can address this or not, because I know you, you worked with him more than once, but in the, in the SNL book, it, it talked about how they all lived in fear and he was going to come in and crush people and be super mean. Ha, has he gotten softer in his old age? Is he easy to work with? Well, he's definitely lost some muscle mass. So <laughs> that's, definitely, I mean, he's a lot, it's really hard to maintain that. Um, so I worked with him for five years on community and when i first met him i was you know i couldn't believe i was working with chevy chase so i could i could i couldn't believe it you know uh, a hero of my childhood and mm-hmm. uh chevy I, there's there's a long not a laundry list but there are lists of articles about how he uh was kind of unhappy on set and uh and those sorts of things he there's no doubt and his reputation precedes him he's he can be tough to work with, and uh, and that I would definitely say that was true and not a revelation. <laughs> but when there were times with when you watch him on the show, he is so funny and so good. And there's a couple episodes that he definitely should have been nominated for for Emmys. Uh, so you know when he wanted to, he would bring it, and it was great. Um, but uh, yeah, he's definitely one of those guys that uh, he's. Uh, obviously, a lot of people from SNL have stuff to say about him, uh, but there's no doubt that you know he was he and Lorne Michaels launched that show and it changed comedy forever, and it, it changed American comedy forever, and uh, and and so those you know you can't deny that accomplishment. And is there ever a day when you don't quote Clark W. Griswold? Yeah, uh, boy, that. I think Family Guy might have, or The Simpsons might have replaced 30 or 40% of that, but mm-hmm. uh, there are still things that people say that, when I, my friends will still say, thank you very little. And <laughs> I'll be like, you know, that is a 35-year-old reference. <laughs> but there are people that have been married, had mm-hmm. babies, divorced, remarried, and had more babies with another person. 
since that reference was made. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Just you know, Caddyshack jokes. Uh, Danny, this isn't Russia. Is this Russia? You know, just you, these little things. They're just part of our lexicon. We're speaking with Joel McHale. Remember to check him out at Cobb's Comedy Club in North Beach, out on Columbus. He's got two shows on Friday. He's got two shows on Saturday. And follow him on Twitter at Joel McHale. Hey, Joel, thanks for your time, man. Uh, next time you're in town, love to have you come and sit in, man. Please. That would be that would be great. Okay, good stuff. I'm Rick Tittle. Come on back. You're listening to the Rick Tittle Podcast on the 8 Side Network. Stay tuned for more. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Okay. I love Walker Hayes. He's amazing. He's so fun. Such a great entertainer. And that's why I'm so excited that JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. The Walker Hayes for JCPenney collection is an upbeat playlist of instant classics with laid-back appeal and down-home vibes. As a dad of seven kids, he knows exactly what fathers want and need when it comes to their style. This collection reflects his casually cool styles with outdoor-inspired details and versatile colors. Perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. Thank you for that, and welcome back to the show. Rick Tittle with you coast to coast, around the world on American Forces Radio Network. It's our pleasure to welcome Justin Willman to the show. This guy is about as entertaining as it gets. I'm putting him on the spot. But, of course, he's used to it because he is the creator and star of Magic for Humans on Netflix, which has a brand-new season as well. And uh, Justin um, the pandemic sucks, which is the understatement of the year. But on the other hand, more people have their eyeballs on networks and uh, TV and such things, streaming devices. So it's kind of a, a boon, and, and we need the original content. How, how have the numbers been so far? It's true, Rick. Um, you know, it is a little bit of a silver lining. The numbers have been really good. I, you know, obviously didn't plan to uh, – have the show be such needed escapism, but I feel like uh, you know that's why we that's why we make it. Magic is kind of this perfect little uh, escape from whatever woes you. And uh, lately, uh, I think plenty of people have something that woes them. So it's it's nice to uh, it's uh, it's nice to be there for people, you know. And it's funny. I remember in 2012, I was being I was doing the Oakland A's pre and post game show, and I was being interviewed by a newspaper, and they said, "Is there anything else you did before this?" And I said, "Oh yeah, I was the host on Cupcake Wars," and I was just kidding, and they went with it. So that was actually you. So I apologize if there was any confusion there. <laughs> no way. That's so funny. Uh, yeah, I wish I could say I was host the Cupcake Wars and be kidding as well, but uh, no, that's my past. That's my past life. Uh, that was a, a random day job at one point in time, but, uh, uh, I'll take it, you know, that's another show. That's a good escapism from people. Some people like to watch people bake cupcakes. Some people like to watch a wizard, uh, blow people's minds. So I'm, I'm here for you. 
You know, it's funny, just before we get to the show, I know you went to Emerson, and I have some friends that went to Emerson, and they told me that Emerson has their own chateau in Holland where you would go and spend like a semester and just party. Do you know about the, the castle, and did you go? Yeah, I didn't go. That's my biggest regret of my college experience is I did not go to the castle. You know, I feel like, you know, th- that was that was in the time, though, when, uh, you know, the big appeal of Amsterdam is that, uh, you know, in Holland is that you get to smoke weed freely. But now I live in, I live in California, so I feel like I'm uh, surrounded by the castle folk all day long. But uh, <laughs> instead of head off to the castle, I was like busy in college uh, doing gigs. I, I, you know, was doing kids' birthday parties all over Massachusetts and gigging it up. I, di- I didn't go by Justin Willen, then I went by Justin Credible. With my uh, my uh, my stage name, and I was, uh, you know, I was uh, learning my craft. So, but uh, but I, I hear that the the people who did go uh, had so much fun they hardly remember it. So, uh, it sounds like my no kind of summer. All right, we're speaking to Justin Wilman, and the show is Magic for Humans. And the thing I love about this show is, I'm sure you get comparisons to David Blaine because he's on the street, but David Blaine blows your mind you know he's very quiet he's a very deep voice and he's kind of mysterious you're right in people's faces and the comedy is there as well when did you get the idea for this well you know like as a as a budding magician you know in my formative years you know you kind of go through these phases where you're imitating your heroes you know so when i was a little kid i loved uh david copperfield and then lance burton and then of course you know, David Blaine, and, you know, he's got his, you know, very serious kind of stoic demeanor, and that just kind of wasn't for me. I, I feel like magic is such a, uh, it, it's got so much unmined comedy potential. So for me, it, I, I kind of just always had to take the edge off of it with with a comedic angle, a little tongue-in-cheek. I think it makes it a little more palatable for people. And in recent years, you know, just kind of craft what what show could translate magic, you know, to a streaming audience. I, I found, like, let me talk about life, you know? Like, every episode of the show, we kind of explore a different theme of the human experience. Love, fear, guilt, self-care, that kind of thing. And, you know, and luckily, everybody goes through life. Everybody has something relatable that they can talk about. So magic was kind of the, you know, the, the foot in the door, the metaphor I used to, you know, talk about the kind of stuff we all go through. And uh, and obviously not take itself too seriously. And it seems to, it seemed to resonate. <laughs> If you would pull back the curtain on Hollywood a little bit, because here you create this great idea for a show, so it's your baby. Is there ever any pushback in the creative process? And did you go through a thing where you were pitching it and they're like, we love it, but we want Chris Angel to do it? Like, did you get anything like that? I mean, this show, Magic Dreamers, is kind of like the result of many, many failed pitches and attempts over the years. You know, like I would come up with the concept for a special or a series, pitch it and get rejected. But, but I knew that there was a couple kernels of good, you know, and I, and over the years I would kind of collect all these little kernels of good. And that's kind of where magic for humans was born. And what's cool about Netflix is you don't, you don't really make a pilot, you know, either they want it or they don't. And you kind of dive right in. So I didn't have to kind of make that pilot where, you know, in one episode, you have to sum up the full potential of the show. We were able to just kind of make, make season one, and Netflix kind of gets out of your way, which is nice in that, you know, uh, obviously they tell you, you know, what, you know, they're going to bleep this or whatever their target demographic is. But you kind of can just make the show you want to make so that 
if it if it succeeds, you get the credit, and if it bombs, they don't get the blame. You know, so it's uh, it's been it's been nice uh, just kind of having the creative reins as we as we make the show. <laughs> and these these episodes, if the the reason that they go quickly is that they're good. You know, they're all less than a half hour. You get in, you get out. It's entertaining. They don't drag. I just wonder how many ideas were on the cutting room floor, or conversely, did you add two in there that you were like, ah, I don't know if I love those two. What, what is it like when you try to pare it down and, and uh, find out what makes the cut? You know, it's funny. You know, as we write the show, you you can be in the writer's room and you're coming up with the, these ideas, but magic is kind of like. You know, it's hard. It's an experiment. You don't know how people are going to react. You don't know how amazing a trick is until you're out in the world. You don't know if something's funny until you're out doing it. So there is a lot of stuff that ends up on the cutting room floor that just wasn't up to snuff. You know, like I feel like I want to make a show that's kind of like candy, you know, like it episodes over before you know it and have it be tight because I have a short attention span. And I think, you know, when you're when you're at home streaming something, you're literally competing against every other show or movie that's ever been made ever. You know, people can just watch anything at any time. So you kind of need to, you know, don't give them a second to reach for the remote. But uh, there are some things that just I thought were going to be great that just weren't great and uh, aren't ever seen. And, you know, the, the tricky thing when you're out in the, out in the field shooting magic, you kind of need a perfect storm of you need the trick to look great uh, in one shot with no cuts so no one thinks anything fishy is happening. And then you need the random person who you're doing it for to react and be amazed. You know, they need to be as amazed as the viewer would be if they were there. And, you know, if you don't have that equation line up, it just doesn't, you know, just doesn't sit right as a viewer. So you kind of have to, you have to be pretty picky. But, um, you know, we've been, we've been lucky. We've, some things tick off that I didn't think would take off, you know. Like we, season one, we convinced the dude he was invisible. And I was like, man, this is a seven-minute segment, like, uh, are people going to be on board? And it turned out to be the most, uh, you know, successful bit we, we'd ever done. So you, you really never know. It's hard to, hard to predict. Very cool. And last question for you. Have you ever met a moment, uh, maybe peril is too dramatic, but somebody was not just get out my face, but somebody was uh, maybe wanted a pound of your flesh after a trick or two? <laughs> you know, when we're, when we're out shooting, people – the goal is obviously to make the person you're you're kind of doing something for forget that there's cameras there. You don't want them to be self-conscious or like censoring themselves. We had this one guy who reacted so big and was dropping F-bombs. And then we had to have him sign his release, you know, so we could use the footage. And he, you know, kind of clammed up and realized that he might have said something he wasn't supposed to. It turns out he was a priest. And so he didn't <laughs> sign the release because <laughs> for good reason, uh, kind of bad for his reputation. So, so now we try to get people to sign the release ahead of time. Uh, but uh, but I, I love those good reactions. I mean, luckily, luckily people, you know, when you're not kind of, you know, creepy or brooding, people kind of give you the time of day. People tend to be uh, in the mood to watch a little magic, especially these days with everything going on in the world. So we've been really lucky. Great stuff. And, you know, Netflix has a lot of content and a lot of stuff, though, doesn't make the cut. I can uh, tell everybody that season three, it is on Netflix. They like it. We all like it. Make sure to check out Magic for Humans. And, of course, the star is our guest, Justin Willman. Justin, congratulations on everything. You're doing a great job. And uh, lots more seasons, hopefully, down the road, my man. I do hope so. Thanks for the chat. This was a lot of fun. All right. Good stuff. I'm Rick Tittle. We'll come on back. Open lines on Sports Byline. 
With the new Dexcom G7, you can achieve better diabetes results without painful finger sticks. It sends your glucose numbers to your compatible phone or watch, so you can always see where you are and where you're heading. See how food and exercise affects your glucose, making it easier to spend more time in range and lower your A1C. Take control of your diabetes with the number one recommended CGM brand. It's easy to get started today at Dexcom.com. That's Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com slash compatibility. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details.